0: Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks MSU, Ole Miss, the SEC, everything through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined by Brad Henderson, the color analyst for the Ole Miss baseball broadcast team, the, the Ole Miss hit king too. Brad, do you have that on your license plate like like Pete Rose? You know, Pete Rose used to <laughs> hit king on his license plate. Do you have that on yours?
1: No, I don't, Parrish. I I guess those letters had already been taken.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Man, thanks for being with us today, folks. We're going to talk baseball in the program. Before we get there, we want to thank our partner, the Oxford Park Commission. We thank OPC for coming along for the ride. Lots going on there right now. Registration begins today for mini kickers, M-I-N-I kickers, soccer instruction for kids as young as two years old, Brad, just two Uh, Getting started on the soccer field, Uh, that instruction led by Oxford High School soccer coach Hunter Crane. Youth baseball and softball registration uh, also underway. That runs through April the 4th. Two years old, Brad. It's hard to imagine two years getting them out there and kicking around, uh, you know, right there.
1: Wouldn't that be fun to watch, though? Yeah, Yeah, it would be be fun to watch. A Lot of tripping, a lot of falling, a lot of a lot of Kool-Aids,
0: a lot of uh it awesome. It'd be, snacks, awesome. Man. It'd be awesome. The snacks were the big thing. Right after. Uh Brad, uh number one ranked Ole Miss baseball team. We got to say that right now because we're not gonna be able to say it uh, when the polls come out later today. Uh Ole Miss losing two or three to Central Florida. Uh Swayze Field been kind of tough on number ones. I mean, Ole Miss is. Uh, beating some number ones there, and, and in their first series as the top-ranked team, they, they lose two out of three. What was your takeaway from the weekend?
1: Well, I mean, I mean, clearly they, they, there's no elephant in the room anymore. We're, we're just not swinging the bat. Uh, you know, obviously Friday we lose three to two, and, and you would think any time that uh, Doug Nikhazy goes out there and only gives up two runs, and and they were both in the seventh, you, you feel like you win that game – nine to nine to three you know and and we look up and we've lost three to two uh and, and then we have to scratch and claw the first game on Saturday of the doubleheader um but again we had a late lead there and didn't hold it you know get a run go you know we're leading going into the eighth and don't hold on to it but luckily there in the bottom of the ninth we come back to win it. and, and then they were just better than we were in game two and uh, you know it, it's not an excuse but it one of the hardest things when I was coaching, one of the hardest things to do is to is to sweep a doubleheader. So I knew going into to, to Saturday it was going to be tough to to win eighteen innings. But uh, you should give UCF credit; they they were the better team this weekend.
0: Yeah, and you know, Brad, gosh, I saw I heard from a lot of people in our Facebook group, almost discussion with mm-hmm. Parrish Alford there, uh, who who left that Arlington series; those three big wins against TCU, Texas Tech and Texas, and looked at the program and thought, my goodness, like 18-0 and going to the SEC. And I'm thinking, you know, slow it down. These are good teams. They're not big names coming up, but they're good teams. And we talked last week about UCF. Uh, There are players in Florida. Now, you know, maybe the best ones go Florida, Florida State, Miami. Maybe so, but there are so many players, so many strong Ole Miss recruits through the years have come from Florida, so many SEC teams recruit that state in in all sports. And look, we've seen what UCF has done before. Uh, UCF has been a good team. And I don't know how RPI is calculated at this point in the season, but I did see that Warren Nolan had UCF with an RPI of 13 going into the series. So not surprising at all that UCF would have a very competitive team. And I looked out there, and I saw a good offensive team Really good defensive team. I thought Justin Bench for Ole Miss was outstanding offensively and defensively this weekend, but that uh, UCF center fielder saved some runs, kept kept Ole Miss out of some big innings with some sliding catches and really covered a lot of ground there uh, in the outfield. They didn't give a lot of opportunities to Ole Miss. So, uh, you know, of course, very good pitching from UCF as well. Not surprised by that at all, but – Oh you're, Ole Miss, you're supposed to compete better against teams like that. You know, you're supposed to compete better against good teams, supposed to hit better. And uh, obviously missing a spark plug like uh Peyton Chatney. But again, uh, I thought we would see more depth from this team and uh just did not see it. What is was there a common theme offensively that that you picked up on the struggles early? Well, I thought uh
1: <clears throat> And Coach Bianco even mentioned it Friday night. They, they, they. Right now, to me, it just looks like they're caught in between pairs. They're, they're, they're trying to hit the fastball but don't want to be fooled by the breaking ball. And they're just right there in the middle of both of them. And that's no good for anybody, you know. And, and you'd almost rather them guess one way or the other. Now, now approach-wise, you, you know they're preaching just like everyone else, be on time for the fastball and adjust to the breaking ball. But they're right there in the middle. And then on, on the on the loss on Sunday, uh, the AJ Jones kid was just throwing change up after changeup after changeup and locating that pitch, and we just weren't able to adjust. Credit that guy. But but the thing that that drives Coach Clements nuts and Coach Bianco nuts is, is we'll sit there 2-0 knowing a fastball's coming and we're late, you know, and and it, that's frustrating. And then you look up and you know, you, you're not stringing enough hits together to really – we really didn't put much pressure on them at all other than just right. a few scarce innings uh, that that they were able to work out of other than game one of the doubleheader there in the ninth where, where we made them pay for it. But other than that, it was it was pretty much on cruise control for uh, UCF.
0: Yeah, third base was a lonely base uh, when, when Ole Miss was batting. They just didn't get there. Too much, and um, you know it's it's hard to uh, to to look at individual players. But uh, man, I thought uh, Justin Bench, who struggled a little bit offensively in Texas, to come back had a nice weekend, uh, six for twelve. But some of the plays he made defensively uh, in center field uh, and at second base, so yeah. so versatile. I mean, if there was uh, uh, an MVP for Ole Miss through seven games, I think I'd, I'd give it to him.
1: Yeah, it's, it, like you said, I mean, he essentially, and, and people aren't going to remember this, but that first game of the doubleheader, he's playing second base, and there in the, about the sixth or seventh inning, UCF is is has got runners on, I can't remember, second, third, or base low, but it was a scoring situation, and he makes an over-the-shoulder basket catch in shallow center field that saved at least one, if not two runs, and we probably don't win that game. If he doesn't make that catch and in the inning, and it was a big time, big time catch that a lot of people aren't going to remember. Uh, and I actually told Richard Cross, I said, if we win this game, you can go back to that play right there because that that would have given UCF a little bit bigger cushion. And uh, but I thought he was phenomenal all weekend. And I'll throw Hayden Dunhurst in there too. I, I thought he he's he's probably been our most consistent hitter one games one through seven. Uh, from, from the guys that have played every game uh, now obviously Peyton once he gets back his name will be mentioned then too but but again we're only talking about two guys I mean you you start looking at the stats and Hay- Hayden Dunhurst right now is the the only guy that is playing every day that's hitting over 300 you're not gonna win many games you know with that but it's still early Parish, you know that and you know I, I just think the uh, you know, we played so well last weekend, but, but we didn't hit it great last weekend. So there's, you know, they're going to have to find some pieces to the puzzle. And that may be a, a, a Calvin Harris or or a, a, a TJ McCants, but coach B is going to give everyone opportunities. Uh, and, and if they aren't, they aren't. But uh, yeah, there's no doubt that, that some of these guys are scuffling right now. And while we're on that, I mean, you, you've got to have and we've said it all year, Tim Elko's got to factor in, um, you know, whether that's hitting 280 or, or 350, you know, he 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 clearly can't hit 120 and, and this team go where it wants to go, you know. Same for Kevin Graham. Kevin's been okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, but but he hadn't been at that, you know, I think Kevin can hit 320 with, with 12 home runs, you know. But, but clearly, you know, right now you, you look at the numbers, He's at 230, you know. So I, I think they'll get it turned around, but but clearly I, I don't know that at this point we're not banging it all over the yard like we did last year at this
0: point. Yeah, well, what did you think about uh, Kevin's approach against the left-hander or the left-handers he saw over the weekend? I mean, I, I know that's not the best matchup when you got left on left there, uh, but he, he did hit a little better. He was a little more consistent the Texas weekend and and I think 0 for 4, just really didn't look good in that first game uh, against uh, Colton Gordon uh, from UCF uh, yeah. Friday night.
1: <clears throat> yeah, he didn't, but but I, I will say this, and, and I just I, I kind of look at it from their body language. You know, he was on a lot more pitches than he was a year ago and especially two years ago. You know, two years ago he wasn't even played against a lefty. You know, last year he didn't play much against him because we we had enough right-handed hitting in the lineup that that you could have, you know, you could have sat him and, and just played him against righties. But I think his approach is a lot better this year. Now, the numbers didn't show, uh, but but whereas he may have struck out pulling off one ball against the lefty two years ago, he probably struck out three or four times on balls in the dirt. So at least he's given himself an opportunity with which – in the long run, balls will start falling. I, I just think he's got a lot better approach now, and he looks a lot more comfortable.
0: Yeah, I did notice that his strikeout numbers were not there. Uh, even, even while uh, the hits were not, he was not He was giving himself a chance uh, when, when he got to the plate. I didn't see uh, a combination or one guy at second base that I felt like uh, Mike would be comfortable with. Probably going to have another week without Chatagnier, maybe a little more. You know, sometimes those hamstrings linger. Uh, but I didn't think anybody just stepped up and and said I'm taking this job and and of course he he put uh, a bench there in, in game two uh, John Rice Plumley got a start in center uh, again uh, you know didn't have a good offensive game whoever hits is going to play if that means bench at second if that means bench in the outfield the hitters will play but I uh, didn't see that from Garrett Wood or Plumley or really a TJ McCants, who had a nice uh, debut against Arkansas State with a couple of hits, uh, pitching uh, up a little bit of an uptick in pitching on the weekend. Uh, but look, I mean, you could just pulled a name out of a hat, and most of them didn't hit. Um, what did you see at second base? What do, what do you think is maybe the best combination there uh, while Chatney continues uh, to be unavailable?
1: Well, I think your best, just penciling in, that position only is just a bench. You know he he's going to bring the offense obviously, but but he, he's just a veteran guy that he he's going to know where to be and and know the buck play. I mean he just he's just been around. Uh, but like you said, you then you lose your center fielder and and we've had nobody. It would be nice if you knew John Rice Plumman is going to go out there and hit you know two eighty. Then you throw him out there. But because my thing is, if you had one more guy. And like a Cade Salmons type. And if Cade went out there and hit, he would play center field. But but you can't put it, it would be nice if someone like Trey LaFleur could go play center field or, or, or one of our corner guys could play center field, but they can't. They're they're corner outfielders as well as Trey. You know, he's not even gonna play outfield this year. He did last year. Uh, but but because I think he's swinging the bat okay. You know, he's in that 280, 290 range and sh- has shown some pop. So, obviously, it's going to have to be someone with some speed. And right now, we're just – that's a hard – I mean, who do you put out there? Because right now, it's simply a we're going to roll the dice with this guy. Right. And hope hope tonight is his night. There's just just been no consistency through seven games to just say, well, here's what we're going to do and roll out there and do
0: it. I did think, Brad, that there, there were a few guys, LaFleur being one, the home run there in the ninth, kind of start that rally. Uh, uh, Mike had some good plays off the bench uh, between LaFleur and Calvin Harris uh, there in that ninth inning. Uh, so there, there were a few bright spots offensively. LaFleur, as you mentioned, I thought Cale Baker, you know, could have hit a little more, but but had some good at-bats. Had a home mm-hmm. run, I think a double in his two hits. You know, mm-hmm. there were some things there. Um what did you think of uh, i mean do you do you see uh, a young guy that, that is maybe asserting himself is is calvin harris a guy who may uh, come on and may be that hitter who says look you you've got to play me is is that guy there that we're not seeing yet i, I think he i think right now he is that guy uh, or can be that guy yeah. and and i only say
1: that is is because after talking with some of the assistant coaches before the season they are super super high on this guy not only offensively but defensively as well now obviously he had tommy john in the fall and he's not going to play a position he's not even going to pick up a ball he'll catch bullpens, and he'll hand he hands the ball to another pitcher and he throws it back to the, the actual pitcher so he's not throwing at all but they are super high on his uh on, on his quality of, of offense and i think you saw signs of it but again, I think we've got to get to a point where you got to find somebody. I mean, we're we're two three weeks out from conference, and and you can't just plug somebody in there one day and hope they hit and then plug, you know, somebody's got to get in a rhythm and you got to stick with them for a while. Now, Mike doesn't have that luxury right now because nobody's hit. But but can can if if right now out of those young guys, yes, he he would be over McCant's um, Wood, Salmon's, uh, I just think he, plus he's a left-handed bat, but I just think he gives you the best chance right now. And I thought he looked good this weekend, you know. Uh, right. But, but, again, what what does that mean? Does that mean he's going to hit 240 or 290? Because there's a big difference in those, you know. But for me, it's the veterans. I mean, they, they've got to. You can't have Elko hit 120. You can't have Graham hit 230, you know. Uh, and you need Peyton back. You know, right. he, he kind of is your spark plug, but, you know, one guy, I don't know that Peyton win or loses you anymore this weekend, you know, but right. he does give you that spark plug. Right. Uh, right. Could but it's still early.
0: an inning, that, and, and you never know where it goes from there. Let's talk pitching a little bit. We hit on the Casey. I thought he was much better in his second start. A couple of mistakes, but uh, you got to be deep enough on offense to uh, give him more support. Gunnar Hoagland, man, really good. Career long, seven innings. Uh, I think what no walks, ten strikeouts. Is that right? You know he has yeah. that reputation as a strike thrower. Sometimes when you throw strikes and teams aren't putting it in play, that keeps you from getting deeper in games. And I know Mike has wanted to see more of that uh, from Gunner. But I thought a really strong performance from Gunner, uh, even in his last inning there uh, in the seventh, uh, uh, getting out of a jam and 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 uh, ending it with a strikeout. A, a really strong day for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, you you just look at the numbers. He's gone 12 and a third. He's got three walks and 21 punch outs. Uh, that's, that's a pretty good start uh, for for anybody. But, yeah, he, so far he's been our best guy, you know, our most consistent guy. But I, I think we knew that coming into the season, and, and you and I talked about it, that I think all three of those guys are interchangeable. Uh, and, and Derek's gonna stay on on, on sundays obviously uh, diamond is just because of his age. but when he's good, he's as good as the other two if not better as well. So you know but yes gunnners Gunner's just been gunner business as usual. <clears throat> and i thought doug was great too. you know Doug's gonna get doug tucks, takes the loss and, and gets up two solo homers in the in the seventh you know like we said, a normal day, we win that game six to six to three, you know, nine to three. And uh, you know, offensively, we just kind of let those let the pitching down this week. And it happens, and it happens.
0: Uh, Derek Diamond looked like he was getting a little bit too much of the strike zone with some breaking pitches. I, I don't think he walked anybody, but they hit him. Uh they hit him. So he was uh he was he was catching the plate a little bit too much. What what do you see there? yeah you know he he missed a
1: couple fastballs out over the plate, uh and but even talking to coach b after the game it he he gave up solo home runs he had a you know three or four innings in a row he gives up one run you know unless you give up crooked numbers your the analytics say you win more games than you lose uh if you only give up one run innings and and again he he was right there and, and you know i thought that the 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 back half of the pen, that big three-run inning they had there in the seventh or eighth to kind of put it away. Uh, what was what was the difference in that? Plus, their starting pitching AJ Jones. You know, we, we were just doing nothing offensively. Uh, but I thought Derek, I thought Derek was good again. You know, he wasn't great, uh, but I thought he was good. I mean, you, you you start looking at his numbers through two games. He's through eleven and two thirds. He's given up one walk, seventeen strikeouts. I mean, those are phenomenal numbers. You know, it's 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 unfair that that he's sitting there one and one uh because we didn't swing the bat, but you know, that's where he sits. But I mean he's at a three, eight, six ERA. Uh I don't know how much more you can ask, really.
0: I think uh the fact that Ole Miss didn't put pressure on UCF, didn't hit and score. Kind of, you, know, you 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 focus on that, and you kind of miss the fact that that bullpen really uh, didn't pitch well in the third game either. And and there were, you know, after after such a strong weekend from the bullpen, uh, in Texas, it was just okay. You know, just you know, did just wasn't, uh, you know, what wasn't top level. I mean, just you know, just okay, against uh, UCF. And it looks like Brad that uh, Mike is still trying to figure out some things there, and and uh, maybe define some roles in that board. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Well, he's got so many options, and they all threw well in Texas. So then you come back and, you know, again, it, it it's the whole mix and match, see who can perform under pressure, see who can't. And that takes a little while, you know. And we knew we weren't going to run out there and, you know, going into the seventh inning of every game have a, a nine-run lead, you know. It's easy to pitch then, you know. So – there was going to be some bumps, and clearly this weekend was one of those. And and you know, and, and also the, the pressure of you know you're not hitting, which kind of doubles the pressure when you come in because you have to keep uh that team at bay, that the other offense at bay, because you know your offense right now is not just lighting it up, and, and that's a lot more mental than what you think. And 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 our our starters are having to kind of go through that too. You know, hey, we can't give up too many runs because we're not scoring a whole lot of runs. And so that's a hurdle they'll get over as well. But, yeah, it's going to take a few games to see who can do what in what situations. Uh, But they'll weed themselves out, you know, and and sometimes it's a painful process. But uh, you just hope they figure it out before conference starts.
0: What did you think of Dunhurst defensively? Uh, Some stolen bases for UCF? Uh, may look like maybe some slow delivery to the plate at times uh what what'd you think of uh Hayden behind the plate
1: no I thought Hayden was good I I didn't realize he was as good defensively blocking the ball as he is I you know there were probably double digit times that he blocked balls and kept runners on the same base uh I do think 100 percent the stolen bases were off the pitchers just just not varying their looks, not when they're coming set, not holding for different times, and and not uh, and and then I thought the high leg kicks and it, they were just too too slow getting the ball to the plate. Uh, I I didn't realize he was as good off uh, defensively as he is. We knew he could catch a throw. He's so quick with his feet and, and his arms, just off the charts. Uh, but I thought last year he was sometimes he would get a little lackadaisical. and he just missed balls, you know, with nobody on base, he, he just missed balls and, and then rolled to the backstop. But I think he's been a lot better this year. And I mean, clearly he's a, you know, he's a weapon defensively.
0: Brad, we forgot to talk about Alpha at the beginning of the show, man. Tell me what's going on uh, at the office. Uh, I know that uh, we were talking off air a little bit about the importance of reviewing policies and just understanding where you are and what your coverage is. What's, how important is that?
1: Well, you know, Parish, I had a chance this weekend to speak with a lady, and, and the, the first thing she said to me was, well, I know I have full coverage. And I it hit me then that I probably needed to explain to her what her full coverage meant. And what I mean by that is is, is she did have full coverage on, on her autos, but if she was in an accident and it was her fault, she had full coverage up to a certain amount. And if she had totaled out someone's car, that amount probably wasn't high enough. And I just needed, it just hit me the importance of sit down with your agent or feel free to call me to to go over exactly what you have. Because a lot of times people just don't understand, and I didn't understand until I got into the industry, uh, how important doing a review is and knowing exactly what your coverages are in case there is an accident.
0: Brad, do those do those coverage needs fluctuate? Do they change? I mean, are there things in the industry in terms of repairing cars and getting people restored back to where they want to be? Does the cost of that change, and, and therefore, do your coverage needs change?
1: Yeah, you would you would think so, Paris. Just simply because vehicles cost so much more today than they did 20 years ago. You know, I, I can remember when I was in high school, you go out and, and buy a used car, a good used car for, for eight or $9,000. And you can't hardly buy a bumper now for eight or $9,000 just because all of the sensors and the cameras. And and so again, it goes back to your coverages. Uh, a $25,000 car. There's not many of, that in many of those drive right around anymore. You know, and uh, so that's the importance of it. And again, just, just sitting down with your agent, going over the details of it, it, it takes 10 minutes. And it could certainly save you some money in the long run uh, or keep you from a major headache if you were in an accident and it happened to be your fault.
0: And, and that good used car cost me about 15 grand uh, last fall when when uh, Kyle Alford got in a wreck in Jackson. Wasn't his fault, give him some props, but uh, had, had to replace it anyway. Sure. Hey, folks, that'll take care of us on Justify Your Existence. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to check out uh, our work at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss and Mississippi State pages and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well. Ole Miss Discussion with Parish Alford, Mississippi State Discussion with Dalton Middleton. Lots of good things there. Thanks for being with us folks come back and join us tomorrow.